This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Here's what she said to me. Welcome to a bumper episode of Green and White brought to you by Argo Life. We're back for a big one, an EFL trophy special ahead of our first ever cup final. Bolton Wanderers versus Plymouth Argyle at the home of football. From vegan food last week to meat feasts this, we've got the usual panel of suspects. A chat with Bolton's own Trotter Chatter podcast. Messages from International Greens, your questions and of course, pizza-based discussion. Joining me for a slice of the action this week is... Finley Allen, favourite pizza topping, go. Uh, I don't know, I'm vegetarian, see? So um, I'm going to have to go like mushrooms. I love mushrooms. Fair enough. Uh, Nick from PASC Display, same for you. Favourite topping? Oh, I'm all about Texas barbecue. Got to be all over that. And to top it off, John Allsop, favourite pizza? Uh, silverware. Brilliant. Obviously, the final is just days away. It's, it's so close, we can almost taste it. Uh, a nice, easy one to get you started, though. Talk us through your travel plans. How are you all getting to Wembley, Finn? Yeah, are you getting paid for this, Aaron? No, I wish I was. On retainer from Papa John's for the all of the food references. You're making me hungry. I've had dinner like half an hour ago. I wish I was. I wish we were getting paid for it, but no. Travel plans, Finn. How are you getting to Wembley? Uh, yeah, just traveling up, traveling up in the car on Saturday morning. I think. Nice stopover, Nick. Anything special? No, I've been back in the day, driving up, parking somewhere around Harrow, tube it over, and then, um, yeah, back the same night as well. 
Nice. And uh, John, obviously seeing as you're London-based, what's the mood like in the capital ahead of this one? I, I imagine this is their biggest event in the calendar, right? There's a big palpable air of uh, excitement. Yeah, the, um, you know, it's, it's all, in, all over all of the newspapers here. The police are talking about, you know, the, the plans to make sure the area is safe ahead of the expected uh, you know, influx of ticket Lazaga supporters, which will make the Euro 2020 final look like a warm-up act. Um, I, for one, have got my sparklers at the ready, and uh, yeah, that might hurt. Um, I'm actually, I'm actually going to be coming up from Plymouth. I'm actually marching up the A38 with a banner that says "Boycott the Pizza, the Pizza Cup." That conveniently will end inside the stadium at 3 p.m. next Sunday. It's, it was difficult because, like. You know, Sam and I, Sam Down, another regular guest on the show, were talking about um, the fact it's kind of unfortunate that the, uh, you know, the boycott march actually ends at Wembley at three o'clock next Sunday inside the ground. But there wasn't really anything we could do about it. So, um, yeah, that's how I'll be getting there. Argyle had their own road to Wembley. Let's let's briefly sum up the journey to the home of football. I'll, I'll do a long talk through here and I'm sure many people will skip through. But obviously we managed to top our group without a single loss. A 1-1 draw with Rovers, so Hardy get the equaliser from the spot before winning 5-4 on penalties. This is all off the top of my head, I'm definitely not reading this. A 3-1 win over Swindon, so it's in complete control as Jenkins Davis and Oscar Halls netted before half-time. Hardy doubling his tally in the competition in the 88th minute. Then a 1-0 win over Palace and their academy saw Niall Ennis get his first in the competition. So it's comfortably into the second round, as I've got to have enough about them to see off Charlton Athletic in the first half. Goals from Cosgrove, Ennis and Roberts put us 3-1 up at the break, only for the Addicts to add a 90th minute consolation. Super Sam Cosgrove was up next, a second half hat-trick against his former side AFC Wimbledon was the ultimate turnaround. After being 3-0 down at the break, Argo going on to win 4-3 on penalties if I, if I remember rightly. And into the quarter-finals, a redraw with Bristol Rovers saw us dominate Joey Barton's men with Ben Wayne getting his first goal in green whilst Jane Matete and others get their first minutes. Uh, Hardy notching yet again. And we all know what happened in front of the Sky cameras down at Home Park as Callum Burton's penalty-saving hero uh, after the 1-1 draw with Cheltenham to send us to Wembley. Highlight of that, of that journey, Nick? Uh, for me, I would say it's more the fact that we have a lot of successful uh, first-team appearances for a lot of the youth team guys as well. So early on in the start, of the start of the competition, I mean, Shuey gave, um, you know, gave starts to Oscar Hawes, Will Jenkins, Davis, who all all scored goals. Uh, Jack Endicott featured quite a bit as well. Um, it was good to see him on the pitch, and I think you know he's he's going to be one for the future, which is going to he's going to be a decent player for us in the future. Um, so I think that's for me the main takeaway for me was how the comp the early doors of the competition helped our young players. You know, get a taste of first team football and and how it's what it's like to actually play in a competition rather than just playing in the in the youth games that they play on a on a Saturday morning. Yeah, nice. Um, obviously, I'm aware that you managed to get to quite a few of the games, Nick. So, um, I don't know if that's similar for you. Obviously, John, you're you're in London, but I don't know if that's similar for you, Finn. Do you have any personal highlights? Uh, so that, yeah, well, this is well, while watching the Cheltenham game on TV, this is my first game of the competition. But I think the highlights was really actually weirdly. I would I would echo the the inclusion of of, of the the youth players as a, as a real positive. No, I think that's the main positive we usually get out of this competition. Whether because most years we've just gone out in the group stage, haven't we? And you know, but even so, you know, youth players getting games is good. But 
other than that, like just seeing, like re remembering that we're playing Wimbledon in the Pavadon Trophy, seeing that we're 3-0 down and I'm switching my phone on to check again and it's 3-0 and like Sam, Sam Cosgrove has scored a hat-trick in about 15 minutes. But so probably that. Cosgoat. Obviously, Saxon early and Tyreek Wright a cup tie for this one, so that obviously rules them out. But, you know, moving on moving on to the game itself, how, how do we see these the lineups playing out? Um, and, and whilst we're there, is it is it time to go all out and win it? With, with the strongest team we can, or or will this see peak Shuey roulette? Well, I think I said when I came on the podcast last time, didn't I? That you know, before the semi final, if you know we're there, we've, we've got every chance of winning it. Let's just go and win it. And I stand by that. I I don't think there's any reason why we can't beat this Bolton side. They're no better than we are. We're sitting top of the league. They're in the playoffs. In the playoffs as we speak, they're fighting for that. There's no reason why we can't beat them. And yeah, so I, I just think one minute. It's a great day out, and it'd be made even better if we do come away with some silver. So you're saying to go full strength? I would, I would go full strength. Yeah, I'd go full strength. John, how do you play this one? I was going to do a bit about how I think Callum Burton will probably start after you know starting all the games in the competition this season. I can't really be bothered. Yeah, I think I think I would go full strength. Maybe there was a case to be made that, like, at some point, you should just kind of reserve this competition for giving minutes to some of those younger players and and not sort of bleed the first team players back in. But it seems like we've abandoned that strategy a couple of games ago. It seems like as we've gone through the rounds of the competition, you know, some of the younger names, there's been progressively fewer on the team sheet until in the semi final we had a full strength side. So it seems pretty pointless to put play a full strength side in the semi final and then not do it in the final. Um, as for Shui Roulette, I don't know. Um, I think that he seems to have settled down a bit in terms of some of his wildly swinging team selections in recent weeks. Wouldn't surprise me maybe to see someone like Callum Wright start, but that wouldn't be rotation so much as he's a player who can kind of get at them from the first minutes of the game. I think he might, I think he might, you know, actually I could see a world in which he does go with Wright, Mayer and Azaz all in from the start after how good they were. Um, against Derby in, in, I guess, one of the last games we played against a, a quality top six side um obviously that would be a very aggressive move so i think it's probably you probably won't do that but I, but i could see a potential for it um but yeah i think i think it'll probably be one up front you know three at the back two wing backs some combination of midfielders and, and i suspect it'll probably be not not too many surprises in the uh not too many surprises when we see the team sheet come out but it's shooey so maybe there will be yeah you, you... You say about Callum Burton there, it would not shock me at all to see Adam Parks in goal, just as the one banter pick from Schumacher. But it would shock me. You say that about Callum Wright, obviously he made his debut for us against uh, Bolton in the away, and that that nil nil draw didn't you know didn't show a lot of great promise that day. But he, you know since then he's he's, he's come on. So. so none of none of you think obviously the youth deserve to get a chance from the start. Obviously Joe Hatch and Freddie Osaka impressing for Wales in midweek with the latter managing to get on the score sheet at Rodney Parade, the same ground in which he became the youngest ever pilgrim. Will Jenkins Davis, Callum Roberts, uh, Caleb Roberts, sorry, and Oscar Halls uh, already have goals in this competition. Uh, like None of you wanting the young lads to get a chance to impress from the start? Um, I just think, you know, Schumacher, if we disregard everything else, you know, it's a chance for him personally to get a first piece of silverware, and I don't think he's going to want to pass that up you know in his first full season as a manager that's quite a big achievement for him I can't see it might get five minutes at the end of a 2-0 up for example that one of them might and that'll be you know a, a moment to remember for the rest of their lives but um, I can see him doing that but not from the start no talking of a moment to remember for the rest of our lives 
It's obviously our, only our third trip to Wembley. It's easily our highest attendance of the three. Our guys' previous two trips were the 43,000 and the 58,000 odd. At this time, it looks to be 70,000 plus if everybody turns up. But how do we banish the atmospheres of recent games and, and make Wembley a cauldron of noise? The Janna song. I assume there's some, some sort of musical accomplishment to the, the start. Well, yeah, but no, apparently, no, in all seriousness, they are actually playing the Janna song, I believe. Oh, that's great. I heard, so, I heard somewhere that they get a, that each club gets a music slot to play their own song, and that will be ours. It, I'm sure I've read or heard that somewhere. Uh, could just be a rumor, I think. I think you're right, John. I think the clubs get around, I think somebody said to me it was a six-minute time slot, which each club get to pick a few tunes and play some tunes that they want they want to play. So, yeah, I, I would assume that the Jana song will be played in, in amongst that six minutes, if it, if it is six minutes, whatever that time slot is. So, yeah, I would assume you're right. Yeah, Dawn French can pick up the rest of the time with a, a monologue. A rendition of Semper Fidelis. Dawn French singing the Janna song. No, I would pay to see that. <laughs> we, we, we don't want to bring up the debate, the scooter debate of, of, of uh, previous pods, uh, but that's yet to be settled. I don't know if you've got any inside information, Nick, on who's coming out on a, on a moped. No, no idea. I've not heard anything about that. Nothing at oh, all. That's a shame. My money's still on Wayne's sleep. I'd absolutely love that. <laughs> Talking of, of music, obviously, I'd love to see... If we win this, it's got to be rocking all over the world at the end, right? It has to be. I mean, I, I mean, that's iconic song that we've played quite a bit at a lot of our celebrations. And I know um, there's a certain pilgrim who passed away quite recently who is... who's, who's I think it was his favourite song. Um, and obviously talking about Sir Gordon Sparks. And I think if, that, if we were to win it, that blaring out at Wembley would be uh, quite a touching moment as well. I was going to say that, Nick. I think, I think, um, the, yeah, the right choice because of that, yeah. I think that, um, the freed from desire industrial complex might have something to say about that. That song seems to have a contractual arrangement to play at the end of every sporting event, so could I could see it being that or not? Um, oh, god, it's been stuck in my head since the, the women's Euros win, and I can't even remember the name of the song now. Neil Diamond, Caroline. sweet Caroline, yeah, sweet Caroline. Surely that's that's up there with freed from Des- desire. We've already started doing that. We don't do that anymore, right, at home. I don't go to that many home games. There was a period definitely where everyone just copied it. I think, being... I think the most interesting period for me was that game when we got relegated against Peterborough and started playing You'll Never Walk Alone. I think that's, that's um, a very interesting period in our, in our music playing history down at Home Park. We're getting off on a tangent, but I'm also going to have to chip in with the time that we got relegated and played We Are The Champions for Newcastle. Yeah, oh yeah. You say that Newcastle. So we obviously running PFC displays. We speak to Newcastle United fans, war flags quite a bit, and you will not believe the amount of respect that Newcastle fans have for Plymouth Argyle because of that night, because of that moment. The amount of respect and love that we get from Newcastle fans because of that one moment is unreal. It's unbelievable, and they. I mean, war flags are brilliant with us. They've helped us out especially because they were in the Carabao Cup final this year, weren't they? So they've had uh, dealings with Wembley in, in the FA and the EFL all, all for the last like, couple of months as well in the run-up to that. And they've been instrumental in helping me and supporting me with what we've been doing and what we've got planned for for our Cup final next Sunday. So, yeah, the, the, what you say, like you say, that was a weird moment, but at the same time, it went a long way and it's never been forgotten. They were the same seasons, weren't they? The- Peterborough relegation in the because the Newcastle game is the game before they wore that yellow kit. Yeah, 
That's right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, whilst we're talking of crowds and atmospheres and, and flags in Wembley, uh, Nick, obviously the We Are Argyle flag has bagged itself a ticket to the final two. Great work on getting the flag up there, but if you could talk us through the process of getting it there, the protocols in place, the Wembley fees, etc., obviously after a successful crowdfunding process too. Yeah, sure. So um, it all started as soon as we got there. I had an email from uh, Christian Kent uh, at Plymouth Argyle. He's the head of venue at Plymouth Argyle. And he he um, basically said he's going to put me in contact with the guys that at Wembley that deal with all that side of things. Um, so I spoke to a gentleman up there. And I've been in constant communication with him. Uh, he sent me a document which basically stated that we have to pay um, a management fee to a... Um, Oh, what do they call it? They called it a supervisor uh, of five hundred pounds to manage the deployment of the flag. Um, I've, si- I've since learned that it's not just to stand there and put the flag up and say yes, put it up and um, pull it down. It's more around the health and safety checks and things like that. So there's quite a bit of work that this supervisor has to do to for us to allow us to do it. Um, so we, like you say, we started off trying to raise that five hundred pounds and we got over off target by the end of a week so within five days we were over our target um which was fantastic and i had a phone call at the end of that week from the efl they rang me directly and said that um that they were happy to pay for the flag us to use that flag so the efl are now actually paying that fee and we don't have to pay it so we've raised just over our budget and we've got a little bit more than what we what we needed um that's in the bank now and we can use that going forward for other displays hopefully to celebrate a promotion this year um so yeah it was that was a very welcome phone call from the efl but yeah it's in the van um we're going to have a little practice run dry run with the volunteers that we've got um who are going to be helping us because we've got to have a we got to have a minimum of 10 people to to fly this flag um so they're going to help they're going to some of those guys are going to meet us at the club on thursday to have a little dry run a little practice run of getting it up where people are going to stand what we're going to do to get it up and down um, and we've also got some waivers which are being uh, made as we speak. They should be being shipped to me tomorrow, actually. So again, War Flags have been instrumental in that. They've got a company that they use up in up in the northeast uh, who have uh, managed to tag our flags onto the end of one of their orders. So it's made our price less because they've ordered a bunch of flags. So if we'd have ordered them ourselves, it'd been a lot more expensive. So again, that's a perfect example of how they've helped us out once again, due to that mutual respect that they have for us. Um, so they'll be down as well. So we'll have eight of those. You've probably seen them at the grounds already. So we've got four already, which are the um, green and white backgrounds with the club crests on. So we've got eight of those being sent down. We've got the fire certificates for them. So they'll be all going in the bag. So we'll have those eight down the front with the uh, We Are Argo flag going up behind. Um, timings of that yet and still unknown um, because we don't know what Wembley are going to want in terms of putting it up and putting it down. We're going to have to speak to the supervisor about that um, and find out what the timings are, what they want us to do. You'll probably find that it's all going to be linked with the TV coverage and things like that. So they'll probably tie it all in. So we won't know the timings of it. Um, the only thing we can say is if people don't want to be under it when it goes up, um, just take a step outside and go. just step, take a step to the side or go up to the um, vomitories and stay, stay up there horses underneath because we know we have that issue at home park where some people don't like to be under it so we just let them know and uh, they can just step outside and step away from it yeah nice it's it, it it's weird for uh you to come on and say the efl have done something right for once which is yeah it was nice it was a very welcome phone call yeah it's great to see 
Yeah. Moving on to the game itself, then obviously Bolton are yet to beat us in the last five games. You know, against them, four wins and a draw for Argyle. Surely that's a fantastic leg up ahead of this one. Yeah, and you could also call it a bad omen. <laughs> um, yeah, I, we've had a, we've had a very good record against them uh, in recent times. I think we haven't played them since the nineties, if I remember correctly, uh, before playing them in the FA Cup um, a few seasons ago, when actually they were in League One, I believe, and we were in League Two under Ryan Lowe, but they were sort of right down there at the bottom of League One, and we were flying quite high. So it was a game between two teams that actually didn't have a lot to separate them. Although I, I think Bolton did have quite a few big names in the, in, in the squad that day. Um, and we went there and were really impressive and they didn't really cause us too many problems and, and, and won and got through to the next round of the cup. Yeah, obviously since then we played them uh, twice last season and, and obviously then twice this season uh, and have won three of those games to nil and, and drawn the other nil-nil, which was a very good point back in January, a game I didn't go to because of um, transport strikes, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, by all accounts, we were... Not lucky to get a point necessarily, but sort of rode, rode our luck a little bit in, in some of the moments in the game. Um, obviously, Cooper made some good saves. I think they hit the post. Uh, that that sounded like by far the most difficult game that we've had against them in this in this little spurt of playing them recently. Um, and obviously, that's the most recent one. Having said that, obviously, since then, we very much stayed where we are in the league. And they have, well, you know, while they're still in the playoff places, of, of you know, there was one point where we were all looking nervously over our shoulders at them because they were on an amazing winning run. And that, that hasn't really continued and they'll, they'll be kind of hoping they can hold on to six at the moment rather than looking up and, and possibly thinking about disrupting the top two picture. So, you know, probably they won't be quite as good as when we played them in January, but they're a good side. They can cause problems. They've got they've still got some big name players, some very good strikers in particular for this level, I think. Um, it'll be a very difficult test. Very difficult indeed. Um, I think we've got absolutely got enough to win the game, but just because, you know, they haven't put one past us uh, it will happen at some point and wouldn't be surprising to see it at Wembley. Hopefully if they do, we can we can just go and score two or whatever. But yeah, it'll be it'll be a tough game. Well, yeah, just I think like when we played them in was it January we played them when we drew nil no. I think they were quite actually like John was saying, like they they were pretty much on our on our shoulder then a little bit and like they tailed off. Um so that could that could play into our hands if they've got nothing to play for, but it all could all so uh, well, not nothing to play for, but as in, you know, they're not going full pelt for promotion as well. Um, but then again, a good confidence at the moment in our camp is as high as it can be. So I don't see why we don't have, you know, won't be, you know, you know, full of confidence that we can go and win that game. Um, and and I think, yeah, I can see any result in this. In this, um, I can see us winning three 0 I could also see us losing three 0 if we don't play well. Do you know? I think. Bolton are just one of those teams. It's like if because they like to go and attack like us, I think it's going to be a very open game. So it could be anything, yeah. Yeah, talking about that, where do you see this being won and, and lost on, on the pitch? Key battles. First name, second name is up and running on the international scene. So uh, Dion Charles, you know, the goals for Northern Ireland, uh, Cameron Jerome, they've got some good attacking uh, midfielders in the middle, obviously Aaron Morley. And um, I'm just reading off names that uh, Trotter Chatter told me that were brilliant. Um, you'll hear more about that later, but yeah, where do you where do you see this being won and lost? Don't say Wembley, cliche, but in the mid in the midfield, um, because it's such an open game. If one midfield can be a bit more compact than the other, um, particularly if Jay Matese had basically if Jay Matese has a good game, 
If Jim Atete starts and he plays to his full ability, I think we're going to win the game because I think when he's playing like at the top of his game, he, I don't think there's many better in the in the in the division. So, yeah. In terms of key jewels, I'd say maybe Hardy against Santos. Obviously, the, the Ricardo Santos, Man Mountain at the back is a certain Bolton Wanderers uh, song. Uh, that you can find on the internet goes uh, is is obviously a talisman for them. Someone who's been a good servant for the club for a number of years now. Um, I think they miss him uh, while he was out with illness uh, for a little while around the Christmas period. Albeit, you know, it actually did seem to coincide with quite a good run of form for them. But, but even so, a really important player for them. I suspect Hardy will start on his own up front. Obviously, I could be wrong about that. So it'll be interesting to see if he's able to get in behind. How how much Hardy kind of gravitates out wide versus trying to just go in over the top. Um, whether he can, uh, yeah, whether he can do that, yeah, I think I think that'll be that'll be a jewel that I'll be watching. I think for me, Dion Charles uh, is always going to be a threat, isn't he up front? I mean, he's a big lad, and there'll be a battle there for um, whoever's going to be at the set. Whoever's going to be playing for us at centre back, I imagine it's going to be Dan Scar with, um, with the latest injuries that we picked up away at Accrington. So, um, big game for Dan Scar to come back into, but I, I imagine it's going to be. Dan Scar versus Dion Charles as well. So that'll be an interesting battle to keep an eye on. Yeah, it does it does feel like it's gonna be um two very evenly matched teams to both set up the same sort of way, similar, you know, back five, back three, whatever you want to call it with two two wing backs. Um don't know if, if playing one up top is the way to go or whether we keep Hardy on the bench for his pace off the off the bench, but you know, full trust in Schumacher to get it right. So let's call that a break. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello to the Green and White podcast. This is Troy Main from Middleton, Wisconsin. I am one of the voices behind the Argyle USA Twitter account. Thanks for reaching out and giving our American-based members a chance to appear on the podcast. Going to be a great day out at Wembley. I'm enjoying your podcast. Keep up the good work, and I will become a loyal listener from here on out. Green Army. Hi there, Green Army. It's Alberto from Italy. I am looking forward to attend the EFL Trophy Final at Wembley next Sunday, and then visit Plymouth in the following couple of days. How will I be able to enjoy the atmosphere in and around the game? It's my first time at uh, Wembley, so I'm very excited about it. I hope I'll be able to also meet and uh, grab a couple of drinks with uh, other pilgrims too. 
despite being a football data analyst, I won't make any prediction about the game because I'm rather superstitious. And you know anyway who deserves to win. So, come on, you grins. Hello, my name is Archie, and I'll be coming across from Leipzig for next week's game at Wembley. Going via Hamburg, so I'll start with a five-hour train ride on the Saturday, then a two-hour flight from Hamburg to Stansted on Saturday evening. It'll be my fifth game of the season, and I hope compared, or certainly compared to the last few games at home especially, there'll be no tension, no nerves in the stands or on the pitch, in fact, and it can be a day to be enjoyed. And we can focus on the game, forget about the nerves of the promotion running, forget about Sheffield Wednesday, Ipswich and Barnsley, and enjoy what will be an incredible occasion with 40,000 Argyle fans in Wembley. If we win, we're on the cusp of our best season ever, and that is incredible to say out loud. A cup and promotion double in a matter of weeks, really, would be incredible. And I think we'll do it, I really do. Bolton, I think we're a bit of a bogey team for them, winning four out of the last five. They're on a bad run. I think we'll do it. And if nothing else, Argyle, just give us a moment. A goal at Wembley would be, well, bucket list material. Hi, my name is Patrick Jacobs. I'm from Lansing, Michigan. I have been supporting Argyle since 2020. Um, but this trophy means to me, the Papa John's trophy, um, it's just really something special. Like I said, I followed Argyle since 2020 um, during the pandemic. Um, I also got to meet a lot of the supporters during the, um, the in-person meeting with all the Argyle supporters in Pennsylvania. And that was a really special time. And I know coming up, during this final at Wembley, it's going to be even more special, especially knowing that there are so many supporters out there looking to see Argyle lift a trophy, um, not just the league trophy, not just the league trophy, but also the um, Papa John's trophy as well. Hi everyone, my name is Den Dierendunk, and I'm a proud Pelham supporter of Plymouth Argyle. It's been a while since I went to one of the games. No good reason why, really, but that doesn't mean my love for the Mighty Greens has faded. And contrary. I watched them almost every weekend on EFL Follow. Wembley was a great reason to renew my passport. The fan base is the main reason I began to follow Argyle and I can't wait to see my friends from Plymouth. I experienced Wembley once in 2016, play a final against Wimbledon and I can honestly say it was heartbreaking. Losing at Wembley is hard and the ride home is long. I think given our position in the league and the fact that Bolton failed to score against us this season and because they only won one game of the last five makes us the clear favourites. I know it's only the Papa John's trophy and that promotion is the main target, but it's only the third time Argyle have made it to Wembley. And after this Sunday, I will have experienced it twice. Hopefully with a better result this time. A prize is a prize in my opinion. Cheers guys, this is Paul Sondorf from Denmark. I've been an Argyle fan for more than 30 years now. I'll be travelling to Wembley on Sunday and I'm very much looking forward to it. My journey as an Argyle supporter started about 30 years ago when I bought the first game for the PC called the Championship Manager and I chose Argyle as a team and from that day on I've been an Argyle supporter. I will be um, leaving Denmark from Milan to Stansted Airport on Saturday and will be staying in the weekend in London and hopefully going to see um, many of those um, great friends I've made through Twitter and, and through the years when I visited Home Park and, uh, and away games as well. So um, hopefully I'll see a lot of you guys there. I can't wait. I'm really buzzing. See you guys. Bye.
The match day programme, which you can get for the measly sum of 10 Great British Pounds, uh, only 10 Great British Pounds, uh, features Argyle in their green home kit, uh, whilst Bear Bolton wear their white strip. Why have they chosen images of the two clubs that quite clearly merge into one? We can't really tell the difference there. It's obviously a, in relation to us having to wear our grey kit uh, on Sunday. Thoughts on that one? I'm not that bothered. It's a kit. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I can I see... I guess it's better for them to wear a kit than not, isn't it, if you think about it? <laughs> I, can see, I can see why, uh, you know... Our naked also... fourth kit. I don't think you make much money out of that if you're a kit seller, uh, would you? But... I'd buy one. <laughs> I can see why. I can see why people have got annoyed about it. Um, obviously, it's Argyle being represented, if not watched by a world stage, it's on a world stage. You know, we want to be wearing our our colours. Um, but, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, for all of the kind of um, conspiracy theories around sort of Liverpool's cream, kit, uh, cream suits or whatever it is going to Wembley's kits don't make that much difference, does it? You know what I mean? So the result is how you play on the day. I know what you're saying. It's more, like you, you touched on it there, it's more the fact that green is our colour. That's what we play in. That's, you know, it's a one... At one time or another, we were the only team in the in the whole top four leagues who played in green. We were that that was who we are. It was part of our identity, and I think some Argyle fans, especially some of the older Argyle fans, I probably include myself in it to be honest, are are more annoyed at that more than anything. And we know, I know for a fact, the club have tried everything possible to play in green. So they even spoke to Puma and, and had some mock ups done for a purely green kit with green sleeves. Um, I actually mentioned that on, on their Twitter page. Somebody asked about it and they actually responded saying, we did ask and we were told no, um, which is, is, again, it seems pathetic rules from the EFL. I mean, it's, it's it, I don't understand it. They turned around and said no special kits. So, and it would be classed as a special kit. So it's, it's a tough one. Um, but because of the fact that you, you said it's on the world stage, all the rules have to be followed to the letter. And one of those rules is any any white clashing is means they have to wear another kit. And we, obviously, our, our away kit being predominantly white means that we have to wear the grey, which is unfortunate, but it's it's the way the rules are set out in the competition. I think it's I think it's a nonsense. I, I agree with Finn. It doesn't matter that much objectively, whatever. But it's just stupid, isn't it? Like I don't like so Bolton. If I'm not mistaken, played against us in white with black or very dark shorts in January, which clash with our shorts. I think those, you know, they're not massively clashing, but like I don't see them as any less clashing than our home kit and theirs, to be completely honest with you. Um, and yeah, for a club, for, for a competition that literally invented rules to allow Premier League youth teams to come into it, to not allow us to change the sleeves of our shirt based on rules integrity is a bit rich, if you ask me. Um, so yeah, I, I find it disappointing, but you know, it'll be a good day for, people who want to make money selling our third kit, I guess. Well, the problem is you can't actually buy the third kit because it was a limited run at the start of the season. So actually... Maybe not. I'll have to... Well, they're missing a chance and they're missing a trick there, aren't they? I hope you change the name of the podcast to Grey and White for when you did your segment with Trotter Chatter. No, but um, it would actually be Grey and Mint. That's right. It's actually quite a good name, I think. Grey and Mint. We should maybe consider changing it to that. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. Um, from Matt Butcher's strike being the least aesthetically pleasing goal against Accrington last week 
surely our best ever goal came against the Trotters uh, in on that incredibly wet day down at Home Park. Ryan Broom managing to steal a guaranteed Danny Mayer goal before he was tackled by a puddle. Sh- surely that's the best Argyle goal of all time, is it not? My favourite part of that goal is Danny Mayer's reaction. If you watch him, if you watch the video back and watch the goal back, the second that he gets tackled by the puddle, he just stands still. He doesn't move, even until the ball hits the back of the net, and then he walks off. Some would argue that's what he does most games. Good approach play before being tackled by a literal puddle is extremely Danny Mayer, if you ask me. Uh, not, not, you know, not to unduly criticise him. He's a fab- fabulous player, but his own product is... Um, yeah, so I don't know. That's that's a good metaphor for his general end product in an Argyle shirt, I would say. Uh, yeah, no, he's my favourite go- Argyle goal of all time. I was watching it on the TV, on Argyle TV, and was uh, jumping up and down in the living room as each as the ball inched closer to the back of the net. I have a distinct memory of that goal, um, and particularly I took a video after it just because of how ridiculously wet I was. Um, I think that's the most soaked I've been in my life. And I was with my cousin at the game and I basically said about two minutes before, it's like, oh, the game's over. Should we just like go underneath and try and dry off? And I was like, no, I'm as wet as it is. It's not going to make much difference. So I just stayed there. And then I obviously saw that Ryan Broom, you know, that that ridiculous goal. I mean, it went viral, didn't it? Because it's just the most ridiculous goal you've ever seen. There's not, I'm, I, I would I would almost guarantee that there's not been a goal in, in the history of football like it. It's it just completely bonkers. What would be the most likely outcome from the final to go viral? Um, a Jay Matete header from his own half. Dawn French singing the Janusel. Great shout. Yeah. Yeah. Shit question. All right, move on. I think that's that's got to be my favourite goal. The best Argyle goal ever. Uh, Ryan Broom sweeping in. Where was I? Where was the next question? The next question is, do you see this being a real distraction on our promotion push? Or think this could be huge, a huge boost to the squad for the league running? Which which side of the fence do you sit? For me, it's a free hit. You've got nothing to lose. It's it's a one-off game. It's separate from the league. It's, it's a chance to just, you know, express yourself and go out and just, you know, play football. Not You, you grew up as a kid wanting to play on the highest stage that you possibly can. And the boys have got an opportunity to step out at Wembley and play in a cup final. It's irrelevant what our league position is. It's irrelevant where we are in the league. It is a cup final at the end of the day at Wembley. And every they're going to live every young football fan's dream of playing at Wembley. Um, so, yeah, it, I don't think it makes any difference. I think it's just an opportunity to, to really just go and enjoy it. Go and enjoy it and win the game. I mean, we 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 as fans are doing that, aren't we? You know, we we I I'm personally am quite, you know, happy that I won't have to go through the stresses of the ramifications of the top end of League One on that um afternoon and um and just enjoy the day out. And yeah, like I said, like you said, Nick, I think it's I think it's a sort of one of opportunity. And um, you know, I actually think because there was some, there was some worry earlier in the season that it might be the, the run up to this might be a distraction to our form in the league, but it, but it hasn't been, and actually, um, it, it could, it could end up being a real positive. You know, the fact that Argyle could go and win a trophy, you know, how much camaraderie is that going to, ha- you know, having the, creating the squad, um, 
that wasn't already there, as you know, in the end of the season, it could be huge if we won it, yeah. And not just that, if they do win on Sunday, the double's on. So that's going to push them even more to try and win that, win the title. Because if they've got an opportunity to walk away and say, you know, it's, it's the EFL trophy, but if they've got an opportunity to walk away and say, we won the double that year. So for me, it's an opportunity that they should look forward to. And, you know, it, I don't see it being a distraction, especially if we win it. I, I likewise don't see a lot of downside. I think that um, if we have a horrible day and we lose, or even if we get embarrassed, this team have proven time and again that they pick themselves back up from difficult defeats and it doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to really translate into some kind of actual bottling on a, a sort of consistent basis. So I don't really see much downside from that. But but I also, on the other hand, do think that if we win, they'll be walking on cloud nine, right? Um, you know, as you say, even though it's not the main prize that we're going for this season, um, it's, it's something that I think can and has in the past sometimes lifted teams uh you know emotionally giving them a shot of confidence a shot of like feeling you know this is a special season uh, Rotherham last year won the uh Papa John's I believe while they were in a bit of a slump in terms of their league form ended up going up automatically and, and obviously it's hard to say for sure that that was anything to do with with uh, the pizza cup maybe it wasn't but you know obviously didn't do them any harm and, you, and that has been the case made I think that it it maybe gave them a shot in the arm going into the final weeks of the season a sort of renewed burst of confidence. Um, I know Rambags have a friend who's a Bristol City fan that they won the double of the League One title and the, whatever it was called then, Cup in 2015, I believe. Um, so, and then they were just a really, really good side for this level, as I think are we. So yeah, I think there's, there's potential upside there if we win it and, and I don't really see a lot of downside if we don't. So I guess I kind of agree that it's a, a free hit and we should just go and enjoy it. Is that the Bristol City side to feature Joe Byron and, and Bobby Deckard over Reed? Joe Bryan, even. Joe Bryan. Byron's a burger chain and poet. Same bloke. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, and and and, and uh, Aaron Wilbrahamovich up front, as they used to call him. Yeah, nice. Looking back at that um, completely unscripted uh, run through that I went through earlier in our games of of on our road to Wembley, it's it's actually a madness that distraction was ever used as a, as a, a talking point because it was one game a month. Four of those games we played seven or eight kids in every game. Um, it wasn't until the latter end of the state, the season when, when we'd already found our feet in the league anyway. So actually, any conversation about it being a distraction is, is slightly um, weird anyway, to be honest. Let's, let's jump ahead to one of the Twitter questions from Lee Smith, who asks, should we win this on Sunday? Where would this rank in Argyle's history? Just, just the cup. Forget the double for now. Lower than the Ryan Broom goal against Bolton. In terms of personal memories for fans, quite high. I would think to see Argo win a trophy at Wembley, that is probably not happening uh, much in our lifetimes. In terms of the club's entire history, I would I would say, you know, getting a hundred points in in Division Three, for example, is is much higher than that. You know, so not very high in the club's history, but. High in our in our personal memories, if that makes sense, of the, of our club. I think you could liken it maybe to some of those games where we played big fish in the FA Cup um, and and gone and acquitted ourselves really well. I loved the Chelsea game last season. You know, it's a fantastic memory. Great day out, immense atmosphere. Just a day where you can be really, really proud of the football club and the the count it's given of itself on on a national stage against, obviously on that occasion against a team you know that was arguably one of the best in the world at the time. Um, yeah, I think that. Um, likewise, you know, 
I wouldn't have swapped that day out of Chelsea for making the playoffs, say, at the end of last season, if that had been on the table. But yeah, I think it's, it's kind of something that's in a slightly different category, which I think Finn is sort of alluding to. Um, I'd say it probably would rank up there with those kind of big days out rather than up there with the promotions. I think it goes down on the on the club's record sheet, doesn't it, as winning a competition. And I mean, how many competitions, how many trophies have we actually won other than a playoff final at the moment in 96? Um, we've, we've got quite a few of those Devon St. Luke's bowls. Have we not? You're never national, national trophy then. A national trophy. I'll say that then. There's, there's not many. In fact, I don't think there's one. So for me to have a national, to win a national competition, or albeit it's it's the EFL trophy, I still think it the club will value it massively. I really do. And I think for the, on a personal level, to see your team win at Wembley, there's no better feeling. I mean, I was very lucky that in 96 I was there. I was eight years old, but I was there. And I do remember, although I don't remember much of the game, I remember a lot of the atmosphere. I remember a lot of the celebrations around the ground at the end. I remember traveling home, stopping in a service station on the way home, and it just being a sea of green and Argyle fans singing constantly in there. It was, it's, it's that kind of atmosphere that I think will stick. And I've, I genuinely believe if you win at Wembley, that's what, that's the kind of atmosphere that you will expect, that's what you'll experience. So the club will rate it highly. I know that. Uh, Chewy and um, Kevin Atskaville and all the backroom staff have never alluded to the fact that they don't take this competition seriously. So they do take this competition seriously and they want to win it. So if we win it, they will rate it highly as a, as a huge achievement for the club as well. So let's couple that with promotion, right? So let, let's go back to the league for a, a minute or two. We couple the cup win with promotion. Where does that rank as a jewel in the history? Is that better than the 102 points? Is that... It's got to be one of the most successful seasons in the club's history if we do both, surely. We're going to we're going to get 102 points this season. So, we, we buy it. If we win both, if we win both, it it becomes even if we get promoted, even if we win the, the EFL trophy and we get promoted, it's still one of the most successful seasons in the club's history. Has to be. And that's not bad for a rookie manager in his first full season, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's possibly better than the 100 points we got in Division Three, even purely because of. Like the nowadays with the with the you know the budgets that teams have got that we've competed against back in like two thousand and four or three or whatever it was, like teams didn't spend. I mean, Ipswich just spend like two million pounds on strikers alone in January. You know what I mean? And we're like above them. That's just crazy. Like, give Ipswich some credit. They did give us three hundred and fifty k for a midfielder that hasn't played for them since. So. <laughs> I think I think you can actually strip the pizza cup out of it. I think even if we if we just go up automatically from uh, from the league we're in, that ranks as one of the most successful seasons probably in the club's entire history, certainly recently, for exactly the reason that Finn mentioned. It would be a complete, huge, stunning overachievement in a, in a league full of sleeping giant clubs that have enormous budgets. Um, so, yeah, obviously then piling on a piece of silverware would be a lovely cherry on that cake, but... Is also something a lot of pundits don't want to say. I mean, I don't know if you watched the uh, Sheffield Wednesday game today with Lee Hendry commenting about the teams fighting at the top of League One. There's some big teams. I think the quote he was, quote he used was some big teams still fighting at the top of League One, like Sheffield Wednesday, Ipswich, Derby, he threw out there, um, but never seemed to mention 
Plymouth. So I'm, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I tell you that national level football league pundits haven't listed us as one of the big clubs fighting for promotion. I am. I am really shocked. We'll continue to go under the radar. It doesn't bother me. It, it just it makes me laugh that even at this stage of the season we're still being underestimated. Yeah, and we're, and we're literally literally top of the league. Like <laughs> you know, like obviously I know Wednesday had games in hand on us, but they've only got one game in hand on us now, and and that would only take them one point clear of us after their majestic defeat to Forest Green Rovers today. So <laughs> no, it's just it's it's not it's just a madness. But yeah, I, I agree. Don't don't let it bother them and, and get on with what they're doing. While we're on that, let's go back to that. Just just really quickly, obviously we're still top. None of us expected that, you know, before we before we planned this pod. Nobody expected us to go to Wembley still top, which could happen I'm aware Wednesday playing midweek, right? Um it wasn't long ago last Sunday that we were calling Forest Green one of the worst sides at this level that we faced. How good does a 2-0 win over them look now in hindsight? I mean, I watched the game today. They were a different team today. They, they seem dunk. to have a lot. Yeah, they, well, Jordan Goak started for one, so they had an outlet up top. And I just think they were a lot stronger today. They, they played with a little bit more freedom and they clearly smelt blood in the first, you know, first half they smelt blood and they, they, they took their chance. It was a really good finish from, from uh, Garrick as well. It was a lovely ball in. He's just got across his man at the near post and just tapped it in. It was a really, really, really tidy finish. Um, and then they just defended really well, um, which is something they didn't really do against us. And we didn't need to do anything more than what we did. Um, I, I so- think, I think the goals that we scored last weekend came at exactly the right times for us and the wrong times for them. You know, just yeah. after the second half and then the first goal was eight minutes in. It, it killed any plan that they had to sit in and for straight Wednesday like they did. Um, but also coupled up with we're being phenomenal at home all season, it was just going to be a really tough task for them. Um, I would also say that, like, it, we, we talked on the podcast yeah, um, last week, I believe, about how certain... Uh, pundits in uh, other podcasts, you know, quite often laud uh, your, your your Sheffield Wednesdays and your Ipswiches for winning five 0 against these teams. Um, I, I can't wait to see what their excuses this uh, this weekend for Sheffield Wednesday. But um, yeah, we had certain certain other podcasts that won't be named saying that Sheffield Wednesday were going to romp clear and like break the hundred point barrier. I can't remember the exact words that we used, but this was a few a few weeks ago. I've always said that Forest Green Rovers are a very good team and that Duncan Ferguson is an excellent manager at this level. And I've always said that meat is murder. These are all opinions that I've had for a long time. You can check in my record. No, I, I actually, in serious sense, it doesn't, it doesn't change how I see last weekend's result. I think they're still a rubbish team. You can't just erase the rest of the season based on one performance today. I think it will look much more likely at the end of the season that today was a big, just random kind of fluke result that came out of nowhere. And I don't know, they just sort of had a back to the wall feeling about it, things drop their way, whatever. Obviously, a great result for them, great credit to them on, on, on today's game. They are where they are for a reason, though, and I think it would have anything other than beating them comfortably would have been a really very poor result for us. I think it probably says more about Sheffield Wednesday, and, and obviously the question there is, was this a sort of fluke result from their point of view as well, or had their confidence taken an enormous knock in that hammering that Barnsley gave them in, in midweek? Um I have to say, you know, as much as I just made some sarcastic comments about other podcast hosts, I did not anticipate Sheffield Wednesday bottling it or having having a wobble. Um, maybe some of the fear factors gone. Maybe you know you'll you'll see their fans start to turn on the manager, and and I think this has been a thing that is a huge advantage for us. And I think I've said it a couple of times, or at least alluded to it on the show in recent weeks. And and it kind of ties into the Wembley theme of this podcast too. This is all a great ride for us. This is all enjoyable, 
fun. Um, you know, I know other uh, sometimes panelists on this show are um, not enjoying it and are nervously anticipating everything that could possibly go wrong. But I think most of us are just enjoying the ride. We're not expected to be here. There's an incredible positive energy around the club and the city. I don't know if that's the case for Ipswich and Sheffield Wednesday. Like, obviously, when things are going well, yeah, I'm sure there is a positive energy, but they expect to go up. They have to go up. It would be a disaster having spent the money they spent for them to not get promoted. So, you know, and you do see when when results kind of go adverse for those teams, fans jump on the manager's back and suddenly what's a very hostile atmosphere in their favour can become either either stilted or or actually kind of negative and, and toxic. You have actually seen that with Wednesday before. Their fans have been quick to, to get on Darren Moore's back in the past when they've had bad runs. It's, you know, I think unfairly... So, yeah, I mean, this is a huge bonus because I was not anticipating it at all. But Wednesday is sucked right back down to our level, effectively. Um, and, and I think that there are some warning signs there. While they're still a very, 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 very good side for this level, um, there are some warning signs there in terms of how this could turn for them. So I think it probably says more about them than about, than about Forest Green. What you just said, John, about the fans turning. Um, after the game, uh, Darren Moore was walking over to the fans and, and clapping them, and there was a lot of aggression towards him. And he, you, the Sky camera showed him just telling them, you know, calm down, get with us, get with us. And there was a lot of finger pointing and gesturing towards him uh, in his direction. So, um, yeah, they, they were not happy today, not happy one bit. So there might be a little bit of um, a bit, bit of fear setting in within their fan base and hopefully that sets in quite... quite I, yeah, I would think so because, you know, we've talked for weeks about them having these games in hand and if they looked at their run, they'd probably go, well, this is an easy three points. You know, and it, and it hasn't turned out to be that. So they've, they've been sitting on the fact that, yes, we're a couple of behind, uh, points behind Plymouth and Ipswich, but, you know, points points on the board is always better than games in hand, and that's been proven today. Also, a little bit of a warning for us, isn't it, just finally to, <laughs> you know, not be positive about it. Um, just a, a good reminder, let's say that, you can't take any game in this division for granted. And, and while I have said on this show many times, that I think we have a very easy run in on paper compared to some of our competitors. Uh, you do have to turn up and win those games and they didn't today, but we've been very professional at doing that for the vast majority of the season. So a good, a good reminder nonetheless. With Papa John's set to end their sponsorship of this competition at the end of, I assume final whistle, this year, they're not renewing it beyond. Um, we could be the last ever winners of the Papa John's Trophy, which is huge, as we know. Uh, who do we want to see take over the sponsorship next year? Or does it not matter if we're in the championship? Ginsters. If we're in the championship, it doesn't matter to us if we're in the championship, do we? But what about Krispy Kreme? Just chuck one out there, Krispy Kreme. Keep it green. I like it. Carling, bring back the vibes of the, the League Cup. And talking of next season, and if we win it, obviously Argo are looking to pocket between two hundred and five, two hundred and fifty-five k if we win it, uh, plus forty-five percent of the gates receipts from this cup run. Uh, how important is that cash to us as we look as we look to further compete next season? Matt managers in the Australian A League should be terrified. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine we'll be fishing for some random talents we've never heard of again. It's gonna up and up and coming up and coming centre back by the name of Scott Wooten. I heard, I heard that the uh, scouts have got an eye on. And it's gonna be massive, isn't it? At the end of the day, that that extra cash is always gonna help. Um, obviously, I don't know what the TV revenues are for the championship compared to League One. I imagine it is more because obviously it's a bigger division. I don't know how much more, um, but 
either way, whatever extra cash we can get in the bank, unbudgeted income, as the club call it, then it's always going to be a bonus, isn't it? It's always going to help. Um, I think this evergreen initiative as well uh, going forward is, is a really good idea from the club. That seems to be going quite well. And a lot of people have, um, you know, at the moment, there's three three areas where you can give your money to, isn't there? There's the first team, sports science, and the uh, youth academy. So um, I believe a lot of people just, you know, I'm, I know I'm paying into it. I'm, I've split mine across all three. So um, that extra income as well is always going to be a benefit. So, yeah, any extra cash we can get in the club, I think is is going to be beneficial to next season. 255k is about a Callum Wright, isn't it? So I, I don't know the fee, but that's what I imagine the sort of money would be. So. At the same time, I think it could be a decent loan signing, couldn't it? Be it paying wages towards a decent loan signing or even loan fees if you're going to be because if you could go on in the championship, you may be looking at Premier League players who may Premier League clubs may want a fee for a loan player, for example. So that's yeah. money that we could put towards that. So. I mean, we know how good, how good this recruitment team have been at exploiting the loan market this season. You've only got to look at the players we brought in to see the quality that they brought in on a budget via the loan market. So if that extra cash, that 250k can go towards an extra player in the loan market, then I think it's, you know, it's, it's massive. Yeah. You can tell that I'm slowly running out of questions based on my Papa John's sponsorship. Uh, so let's move on to the Twitter questions. We've answered a few of them. Uh, and there wasn't as many this week. There weren't there weren't 23 like we had last week. Obviously, the, the enthusiasm of the cup isn't quite there as it was against Accrington. But Strictly Plymouth asks, uh, should we use this match at Chelsea to motivate the, get, the players for the rest of the season? If you were the gaffer, what would you be saying to the team if we win or lose? So put yourself in a football manager situation. I would, I would say what Nick said earlier is a chance for the players to express themselves um, without the pressure of, of the league. And, you know, Shuey can't pretend that the, the, the pressure of the league isn't there. Of course it's there. Um, of course, you know, they've gotten themselves into this position in the league now. Um, and, they you know, they want to finish the job. But um, I think, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not defining in any way. What's defining are these games over Easter that we have to play. So it's a free hit. Yeah, completely agree, Finn. It's, it's a free hit at the end of the day. I mean, if, I, if I'm the manager, if we win, I'm saying, right, use it as motivation now to go and win the double. If we lose, I'm saying, forget it. It's a competition that doesn't affect our main outcome. Our main goal this year was to be in the playoffs we're there. Now let's go and win promotion. Push on. We've been brilliant all season. We, now, we deserve to be where we are. Now, forget, forget the result and we move forward. And, and just to add to that, I would, I would have full confidence in Shiri to say the right things and whatever the outcome and, and motivate his squad in the right way. The last Twitter question come from, comes from Jack Leslie and it's nearly as bad as one of mine. Um, I'm not quite sure it's that bad, but it's nearly as bad. I'll give this one to you, John. Uh, should pineapple be on pizza? Um, it's not for me, but, you know, it takes all sorts to make a world, doesn't it, as they say. Um not going to have a, an authoritarian view on other people's pizza toppings. Um, but yeah, not, not one for me. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to jump on and have a chat with Trotter Chatter now. And when we come back, we'll have some quick fire questions. Oh, 
I'm joined by Ryan and Ben of Bolton's own Trotter Chatter podcast. Try and try and say that whilst you're pissed. Yeah, you got it. You got it good, sir. Yeah, thanks right. for jumping on, guys. How are you both? <laughs> Not a problem, mate. Yeah, good. Let's, I suppose start at the beginning, right? Talk us through your journey to the final. And, and, and I had a listen of your podcast. It seems like you've had a, f- a few highlights along the way. Yeah, well, um, do you want to start with your your sort of first experience? Um, oh, yeah, I, I did the first one. I went, went away to Tranmere. It was a calamity. Um, <laughs> lost on penalties. The guy that missed the, missed the final penalty was made to do shuttle runs after the game. Nice and nice and calm of them. Um, yeah, it was. I paid five pound for a bottle of car, and I wish I never went. <laughs> it started off pretty small time, really, and I think there's a lot of um, a lot of clubs would think that the the this trophy is a bit of an inconvenience early on, and we sort of felt the same. And when you start playing the likes of Portsmouth and United under twenty ones, you start thinking it's actually it actually might become something this now and. We got more and more bought in, and uh, uh, those who saw our semi-final against Accrington as well, uh, uh, let's say it, it, it was it was something we not felt in a long while. The jubilation, the excitement, the hype. But it's been a roller coaster. But it's sort of gone under the radar most of the season until very very soon, really. It's actually interesting that your fan base seems more up for it than ours because you've had highs that we could only ever dream of, right? But. Yeah, it seems like for us, like you said, it just seems like an inconvenience most of the season. I suppose like, you know, we're, we're, we're sitting slightly higher than you are. So, you know, promotion is obviously our aim. So while well, we're in the position to do it. So obviously your last trip to Wembley, as uh, noted on your pod. Oh, every time. It, it was in a slightly more, um, shall we say, higher profile cup, right? The FA Cup semi-final against Stoke. Uh, I'm assuming you're hoping for less of a less of a beating this time around. I don't want to cry at Wembley. As an adult, <laughs> I don't want to. It was that day. Um, there's sort of some unfinished business, I think, sort of going around. That's sort of the feeling we have at the moment as a as a club, and it, it's a trophy, isn't it? <laughs> that I think that's the way we look. I mean, Ben actually went. I didn't actually go to the game. Um, yeah. What was it? Eleven years ago now, and let's say for 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 a young football supporter, it was a uh, it, it was character building, weren't it? It was harrowing. Yeah, I've, I've seen it all. Seen as in Europe and then seen us get done by Stoke five 0 at Wembley. It's I don't like like Ryan said. There's a lot of it feels like unfinished business. Like I I don't I don't want to have gone twice and have lost twice. It feels personal. Our last trip was a uh, we we had to suffer Akinfen were rolling in a penalty to to send Wimbledon up. So yeah, we've got a little bit of unfinished business ourselves. So both sides going well in the league at the moment. You know, considering is a trophy final win. And losing in the playoffs or getting to the playoffs considered a successful season for yourselves, or okay, do you, do you want to start? With that? I'd say getting to the playoffs and to get into the playoffs and get into a cup final. I'd say if you look at it, it's probably a successful season. But based on how we have done, we'd sort of, we'd want more. Like I also don't want to get to the playoffs and lose because that'll be heartbreak as well. Yeah, as much as uh, realistically, we don't feel we are hundred percent ready not to be in the championship. But when you're there, you want to win it, don't you? Objectively, give it a few months' time. We finish with a cup win and maybe fifth, fourth, fifth in the league. We'll be more than happy with that, I would say. Realistically, it's it's year-on-year progression, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I think that's what we're looking at as well. It's just um, year-on-year, just slowly trying to turn that dial, trying to get into a championship side. And 
obviously you're pulling your leg a little bit over the FA Cup. But like, if, if you win this, where is this considered in your history? Like, surely it's not even a top five event, right? Mm. Like, into well, I mean, you, you are a massive club compared to us, right? Like, yeah, we're one of the oldest clubs in England, and when you. For us, it's like we're in our twenties. We've not really experienced a great deal, and after the past seven, eight years, I think it's it's a nice little cherry on the top. But like you say, like Europe, um, previous promotions, it it isn't up there. But it's what we need right now. I think after what the club's gone through, it's 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 like it's just something I think the fan base needs it. Just something to smile about. Yeah. I don't see this a win in the Papa John's final for you being any bigger than signing JJ Acacia. That's what I'm saying. It's gone from European nights at, with, with Wanderers to uh, um, losing against plucky little Plymouth at Wembley. So, um, how how do you see Sunday playing out? Uh, you know, I'm sure you I'm sure you're aware that you're yet to beat us in the last five meetings between the two. So, oh, don't we know? Yeah, uh, we've I've had a few run-in with Plymouth fans in that way, um, but. Uh... I don't know, past, past, past few times we've played, yeah, uh, this se- especially this season, I think we could have come out with a lot more. Um, we do have the tendency on the big stage to um, to bottle it. Uh, but I physically cannot say that we're going to lose. I, I can't, the words can't come out of my mouth. We're, we're going to have to win somehow. <laughs> Who do you consider your like biggest threats then? Obviously... First name, second name after his two first international goals. I had to get that in. Yeah, like who who do you consider the difference maker then for your side? You're the first one. I, I Connor Bradley down the right hand side. When he's on his day, he can put any defence to the sword. Like he's the start of the season, the form he was in. If he, if he discovers that at Wembley, I don't know who your left back is, but he's gonna have a rough day. Yeah, well, we yeah. don't we don't know who our left back is to be honest. Okay, okay. <laughs> right. Anyone then? We <laughs> play Shuey Roulette, so we, we he could be he could name. Honestly, his his starting eleven will be a shock to us all. So sounds familiar. We we yeah. were the same with our, our our left back to be fair. Um, as good as first name last name is, uh, in terms of figures, he he isn't the most clinical striker. Uh, when you look at what he's missed, um, and what he could have scored. Uh, he could have got a lot more. Um, Aaron Morley and um, Kyle Dempsey, our two midfielders, um, both complement each other brilliantly. Morley, pinging passes, can take the ball out from the back. Uh, obviously, he's got a good goal in him. And uh, Dempsey's just a dog. Like he'll, in terms of winning a midfield battle, he's got the he he's got the right temperament. He's aggressive, uh, and those two are going to be it, it, the game's going to be a one in midfield for me. So our, our last season, our run to the um, the FA Cup, I can't remember if it was fourth round or fifth round, where we played Chelsea, we had, we had to play Aaron Morley's Rochdale then. And here's, here's a brilliant pick-up for you. He, he pings one in from outside the box against us and looked looked a real talent that day. So it's no surprise that he's gone to a, you know, a decent iron League One side. Another player that I'm a big fan of is Santos. Oh, yes. Yeah, do you see him being a big difference? He's for me has to be on the short list if we go up to try and poach. Fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he he makes it look so easy. Like it's it's worrying sometimes. It almost looks like he doesn't try the way he defends. It's like it just comes naturally. It's like no one no one threatens him. Like when we played Peterborough early on this season, him and Clark Harris, 
both big guys. They went down and Santos got up laughing. Yeah, yeah. Like, he he loves that sort of scrap. Yeah, he, he's good with the ball at his feet as well. Yeah. Very calm and collected. He's actually started contributing with some goals as well, which is nice finally. But yeah, uh, in terms of if you if you're comparing centre halves in the league, I think I think Santos is in there with a shout. Uh, big, strong. Like I say he, he can keep a forward quiet on his day. Yeah, nice. Obviously, Ian Everett's done wonderful things with you, done a fantastic job of turning your fortunes around completely. What do you guys make of him as a manager? I'm aware fans of other clubs are often put out by the things he has to say, and ourselves included, you know, coming out with things like the best team in the league and that sort of stuff. Like, How do you see him? I think, having watched for slightly longer than Ryan, I think he's the best manager we've had since Allardyce. I think in terms of He's brought like it's like he's brought a community back to Bolton. Like it's, it felt. I've personally felt more distanced the way things were going since he's come back in. Having new owners, him being like their first big appointment. We sort of had, we had Keith Hill as almost like a stopgap for a season. But I think the way whatever it brings to the club, even just bringing like a better style of football, he's 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 revitalized everything. It feels like there's a brush of breath of fresh air and in terms of his um his comments uh he is his piss boiling ways sometimes get the Bolton fans as well let's be honest but he knows exactly what he's doing he knows exactly what he's doing he's he's trying to wind people up and from our point of view we love it from another fan's point of view I can understand why they hate it yeah I was gonna say from when we had uh Derek Adams and he would some of the things he would come out with you you knew it would be complete rubbish but it, for us, it was just brilliant. It was just, you know, yeah. that you're getting under the skin of other teams. And, and that's so, sometimes what you want, right? Like, I mean, more for us as a smaller side. But whilst, whilst we have you, it's only right we talk about a few of the former players that have graced the uh, Bolton shirt in recent seasons. I, th- I think most of us are surprised about uh, Geffen Jones, who seems to be a stalwart in your side after bouncing around several clubs. What, what do you make of Geffen? Last season, he was probably immovable. This season, through... He had, a, he had an injury. Arguably, got better plays in the team now. He's not. He doesn't feature anywhere near as much as he was doing at the start of the season. I think a lot of a lot of fans would see him as like being Everts, as a little poster boy. Like Everts seems to really like him. But I think a lot of fans would rather other players be in the team at this point. All uh, right, fair enough. Um... Yeah, no, like like last last he did well, but it's just performances dropped off. Might have been through injury. Might have been a drop of form. And I think I would calibre of players increased as yeah. well which is sort of pushing him out of the team in terms of technical ability um, etc so yeah probably surprised to some people but yeah he's not everyone's favourite oh, fair enough um, talking about not everyone's favourite I imagine uh, Antoni Sarsevic might be uh-huh. towards the, the <laughs> towards wanting an Argyle win on Sunday um, what went so wrong for Sars at the Uni Bowl uh, right okay so <laughs> It's down to he, he. He didn't. He didn't like. He, he, I think he thought he were bigger than what he was, and not getting played as much, having a bit of a bust up with Ever. Basically, we we don't know the level of the disagreement, no. but um, he basically got pushed out of the team, and next minute he's he's gone. Um, and we've not missed him. We've not missed him at all. Um, what, what do you what do you reckon? He's over. He's already sudden. It's like it happened overnight that. He was dropped, and then it's like the same week he left. I mean, it's it's quite clear something had happened. Like the reason I remember the reason he came to us partially was to be closer to family, 
And then I know he's from Manchester going to Stockport. It's nearer, but it's not like it's a million miles away. I think definitely something's happened behind the scenes. Um, from what I've been able to tell, it's it just he didn't want to be dropped. Like it's almost like he thought he was bigger than the club in a way. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, I, I, if I can bring the joyous tone down a little bit, um, I th- I'm sure plenty of fans of both sides would have seen Nicky Adams' call for uh, an applause on the seventh minute in memory of a young lad named Super Ted, who um, unfortunately lost his battle against a cancerous brain tumour. Uh, obviously, our heartfelt condolences go out to Ted's family and friends, um, and obviously here's hoping that both sets of supporters can make that happen. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, last but not least, I won't keep you too long. Can can you just talk us through a pasty bomb? Obviously, that's something that baffles us. <laughs> Go on, mate. Uh, right, okay. This is fun. funnily enough. I'm actually from Wigan, where they put pies on bombs. Uh, the, the, the main no, for, for, for southern for, listeners, a bomb is a bread roll. Right? It, it, it is. It yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, or what? Yeah. The, the the big conversation, whatever, has or what you call that circular piece of bread. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't. <laughs> It curbs on curbs, isn't it? I don't get it either, to be honest. But I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I genuinely cannot explain it. There's no way of explaining it uh, unless you're really hungover. I can't imagine why you'd want one. But uh, I, I don't bulk in or something. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I've got some quick fire questions. Um, I'm going to ask, obviously, the green side as well. But just, just really quick ones: Steven Schumacher or Ian Everett? Ever, ever, all day long. Paddy McGuinness or Josh Widdicombe? Oh, got to be Paddy. Yeah. Uh, a pasty or a pasty bomb? I'll have it on its own. Yeah, I'll have it on its own. On its own. Pasty, <laughs> I don't oh, need the bread. 2-1. Two, two, uh, home Park or the Tough Sheet? Oh. Oh, the, the TS Community Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've had a stir. It's got to be Home Park for now. <laughs> In terms enough, of name, enough. I'll say Home Park. Fair enough. Uh, pie Face or Fogden? Oh. Oh. Is, oh. is there a uh, null and void? Is there a... <laughs> I'll say neither. Smith Hills Petting Farm or the National Marine Aquarium? <laughs> These are good. These are good. Smithles Farm? We've always Smithles Farm, yeah. yeah. Crap, he's got there. <laughs> Plymouth Hoe or the Turfton Tower? What's, what's that? I like the alliteration. The Turfton Tower. According to um, TripAdvisor, it's, it's, it's the number one landmark in Bolton, so... Is it? Oh, someone should have told we, we us. To go, we'll, go, we'll go at some point. So we'll go we'll for that up. one, yeah. So that's a, that's a three-all draw, fair enough. Um, obviously, all the best for uh, Sunday, and hopefully um, you don't get another pasting at Wembley. Don't do this. Please don't. <laughs> best of luck for now. <laughs> yeah, I might not say it's Sunday night, depending on what's happened, but for now, yeah, we'll see. best of luck. We'll see. No, cheers for jumping on, guys. Appreciate that. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us on. Been a pleasure. Um, And obviously, go and check out Trotter Chatter. They've they've done their own um, Wembley preview pod. Thank you very much. Prior to Sunday's England game, the family of Jack Leslie were presented with a posthumous honorary England cap to recognise the former Argyle forward's contribution to the game and wider society and to right a historical wrong. Obviously, huge credit to Greg, Matt and everyone involved at the Jack Leslie campaign. Yeah. Uh, I think it's time for some quick-fire questions before we go. Uh, nice and simple ones. 
Stephen Schumacher or Ian Evert? On what on what criteria? Oh, doesn't matter what the criteria. It doesn't matter the criteria. Steve Schumacher all day long. Yeah. yeah. I would le- I would least like to be headbutted by Stephen Schumacher and also think he's a better <laughs> man. Same answer. Ian Evert is a budget Stephen Schumacher. I'm quite happy to put it out there. I actually think Evert is a is a I don't know about budget. He reminds me a lot of Ryan Lowe. Actually, is is sort of. Um, you know, the trajectory he's taken Bolton in kind of reminds me a lot of us under, under low. Obviously, we are now outperforming that trajectory because uh, I understand this is a quick fire question. I'm mostly just doing this to annoy Aaron, but uh, no, I think, but I think, I think Schumacher has stepped up, you know, the kind of gradual improvement we were showing under low and, and turned it into magnificent improvement. And uh, I think Everett is more limited than that. So but I do think he's a good manager, but I'll say Schumacher. Paddy McGuinness or Josh Widdicombe? Uh Paddy McGuinness. Josh Widdicombe for me. I haven't met the guy. He's a really nice guy. So, yeah, Josh Widdicombe for me. I think Guinness might be a nice guy, but I'll go with Widdicombe as well. Probably, probably is a nice guy, but I haven't met him. So, I can't, I can't tell you that for certain, but I can tell you for certain Josh Widdicombe is. A pasty or a pasty bomb? A what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, having having a family, my wife's family are all northern, so I know what a bomb is. Um, you can't have a pasty bomb. They do pies within bread rolls, and they call it pie bomb. Um, and now, nah, pasty all day long. You can't have a you can't have a pasty in a bread roll. I think that I think that sounds quite good. I'd want to try it. Am I allowed to say that? Should we try it on Wembley Way and get a live reaction? I, mean, I think Wembley Way is going to be more like fifteen pounds for a three chicken dippers. But yeah, they do some random stuff like pie bomb. So you have literally, literally a steak pie in a bread roll. They do pea wet, which is literally a bread roll with mushy pea juice. Not even the peas, oh. just mushy pea juice. Yeah, I'm not. They call, along it, with that. they call it pea wet. It's just yeah, they're weird. What they're soggy? Weird. So soggy bread and oh no, they're not. Yeah, me. exactly, Finn. Exactly. It's not. I call that the Ryan Broom. <laughs> <laughs> Quick fire questions, anyway. Uh, home park or the tough sheet? <laughs> it still makes me laugh. Home park. Home not, park. it's not like the tough sheet. The tough sheet's actually not a bad ground, but it is like in the middle of nowhere on a motorway, which is soulless and plastic. So it has to be home park. Pie face or Thogden? Pie face. Pie face. Every day of the week. Yeah. Pie, pie bomb. Smith Hills <laughs> Petting Farm or the National Marine Aquarium? Wouldn't the better comparison for one to one have been? Pennywell Farm. No. Okay. I don't like petting zoos, so I'll go for the aquarium. This is me going on TripAdvisor, and that's the best thing to do in both. (laughs) (laughs) I do do believe that. Their biggest landmark, according to TripAdvisor, they'd never heard of. So, Plymouth Hoe or the Turfton Tower? Plymouth Plymouth Hoe. Plymouth Hoe is one of the most underrated places that you can go in the UK. Especially in the same. It's amazing, you know. Famously rated the most underrated place in the world by the Telegraph, was it not? Yeah, it was. I saw that. I saw that article. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and you can tell that's why we don't do previews that often because you'd have stupid questions like that every week. I mean, Turton Tower does look quite nice. I'm looking at some pictures of it. So I don't know. Maybe that's the most underrated tourist attraction in the country. It might be. You haven't been there, have you? Yeah, you have no idea of it, and it isn't very highly rated, so it could be underrated. It's highly rated. It's the is the biggest landmark in Bolton, but it's not highly rated in the fact that they didn't even know it existed. So, apparently, <laughs> it's actually in uh, Blackburn. Well, there you go. Even worse. 
that their biggest landmark isn't even in Bolton. It's like saying our biggest landmark is, you know, Dawlish Warren. I think we'll call that a night. Thanks for jumping on, guys. Uh, look forward to Sunday. See you uh, for the pod in which we discuss our first ever cup win. Happy days. Thanks for having us. Cheers. With that brings a close to another Green and White pod brought to you by Argyle Life. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, like on Facebook and keep up to date with all things Argyle by checking out www.argyle.life. As always with all listens, old and new, we really appreciate if you could leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us. Every rating helps us beat that algorithm. See you next week. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.